0: Hey there! Welcome to ATL and Twenty Nine of Peach Troops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Friday night following Thursday night's draft. The Hawks selected A.J. Griffin at number sixteen. They traded down in the second round and took Tyrese Martin with the number fifty-one pick. And I guess you know when you put that all together, uh, you know. Who's going to be backing up Kevin Durant at Power Forward this year? <laughs> I, I I had a feeling that was coming. No? Um,
1: uh, um Let's see. Let's see. Who, who do they have up there in Brooklyn now? Oh. It's, it's hard to know, you know. It's hard to know. Brooklyn might have to, they have to deal with Kyrie, and, you know. um I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be a backup, right? So he's probably <laughs> going to be a starter, so. We'll to, I think we'll have to wait and find out.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, know well,
1: there a, I know there wasn't the amount of excitement uh, on draft night as we expected, so I, I understand
0: manufacturing a little bit here. Okay, maybe maybe we should start there then. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's say that the Hawks were active leading up to the draft night. you watch picks one to 15 come off the board. You were thinking that maybe this year's pick ends up in a trade at some point. Uh, you know, are, are the Hawks picking AJ Griffin uh, for themselves, or are they just trying to get sort of best value at 16 in case they need that as a trade ship?
1: Well, I mean, I'm guessing here, my guess is some of both. I mean, yeah, that's you know I, I you know um, it, the the thing that I thought kind of opened up the possibility that they might be picking someone else's player someone else picked their player was when you know Jalen Williams went to the Spurs and all of this you know noise about the Hawks and Spurs maybe doing business I thought well maybe they're, maybe they're picking for the Spurs at sixteen now that's right you know. Um, and, and I, I think I recall that the Spurs seem to have some serious interest in AJ Griffin. I think he visited them a number of, number of times and, um, it's hard to know really what to make of all that, but, you know, it kind of had the the fingerprints of that. And I mean, now we might have to wait until July 1st to, if there's not a deal that can be made until, you know, the NBA league calendar flips over, um, it's, it's, it's hard to know what to make of. How permanent uh, any any of the selections were for the Hawks in a potential trade partner website. I think it's just really
0: hard to know. Yeah, and there was just like little bits of weirdness too. Like, and and you know, take it all with a full grain of salt because he's uh, got his pending promotion this week, essentially. But like, you know, at one point, Landry Field said something like you know he's going to be okay like i don't know that's not your typical phrase that you throw out there on draft night about your uh just barely out of the lottery uh 18 year old that drafted to you you know what i mean it was just i don't know like you know there was a there was a video with some clapping and it was like ah, that that looks like your stock photo of clapping like i don't know like, it was just it's not like you should read anything into it but like Nobody convinced me out of it either. Nobody said we are over the moon. The AJ Griffin is our, our guy. Like I don't know, like whatever. That's that's not really here or there. Like okay, so the player, uh, what do the Hawks get?
1: Yeah, so assuming he's on the roster, and I don't, I don't think they take him without the idea that he very well might be on their roster, right? So even if there is the potential of a deal or whatever, I still think you take a guy you're comfortable um, standing pat with. If a deal that is worth doing doesn't materialize, right? So um, one of the very best shooters in the draft, um, for sure. Um, We can get into his kind of uh, the breakdown of his motion and all that sort of stuff that I think might need a little bit of change, but, uh, you know, was one of the best three-point shooters in all of college basketball last year. Um, has some pedigree. His dad is an assistant coach uh, on Nick Nurse's staff up there in Toronto and has been uh, – frequently the last couple of years his name has come up for potentially being on a shortlist list for uh, an open uh, head coaching position. Right. Uh, NBA body, um, what like 6'6", six, six and a good – I think he's pushing 230, I, I think. Um, and and so I think he can, he's a guy who can play both forward positions from a kind of a profile perspective. Um, and, but you know, the, a lot of the other parts of his game about, and I think, you know, this, I I wrote the draft profile just so happens for a piece three hoops a few weeks ago. Um, but the ball handling, um, not great. And which, that's what made the selection a little curious to me and continue to make you think like, is this the, is this the kind of player they would want to bring in because we already saw, you know, fans are like, Oh my God, another wing that can't dribble, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a young guy. He's 19 years old. Um, and he'll play, I think almost his whole rookie season at 19 um, top of mind, I think his birthday, maybe is a March birthday, somewhere in that time frame. So, um, you know
0: august i think so he'll be 19 okay. for his his whole rookie year
1: oh okay yeah
0: okay yeah there you go
1: um yeah i must have been looking at uh, thinking about uh Jaylen williams I, I, I have so many mental notes in my, in my <laughs> head but yeah the, the shooting is there and it it's not just like catch and shoot no. um i think his most nba ready skill is the way he can he can deal with closeout defenders by not necessarily putting the ball on the floor and kind of driving to the paint, which he's not terrible at, but his ability to use one or two dribbles and relocate back to the three point line, which is a really valuable skill Correct. in the NBA and get back to the three point line for wide open shot that he, he knocks down all the time. So his ability, so when he's, when he starts in the weak side corner without the ball, his timing and his feel lifting or what they call shaking you know up towards a three point break. Excellent. Um, I'm sure some of that comes from, you know, uh exposure to the NBA game through his father and things like that, but really good field moving on the weak side. That's a great trait for a wing that's gonna play with trade for sure, right? Trey wants to know you're gonna be where you're supposed to be, you're gonna be there on time. If I deliver the pass, you're gonna be where you're supposed to be and catch it. So that's there. And then if someone chases off the three-point line, he can get back behind the three-point line with a dribble or two with that relocation dribble. Uh, and that's great. Um, he's He's not anywhere close to being ready to ready to do something like run a pick and roll or get into uh, some um, uh, planned kind of DHO, you know, whether it's pistol or whatever that is. He kind of has a long way to go. And if you <clears throat> go back and listen to a few of his interviews, he admits basically that when he was playing AAU ball in other kind of prep environments, he was basically looking to get to his pull-up three-point shot. Uh, and that shows in what skill... Um, advancement he has as a shooter, his pickup is really clean, getting into a shot, all that sort of stuff. But uh, he wasn't necessarily looking to kind of get down to the rim. Now, I mean, a part of that now is you know he's dealt with multiple injuries, kind of coming up to this point in time, and maybe was playing a little hurt, or maybe kind of rushing back from injury, and didn't want to get into traffic, didn't want to get into contact, and things like that. So, so we'll see. But on the offensive end, the shooting is there. He knows he knows how to move off the I I trust he knows how to move off the ball he knows what they're looking for and sort of that um, weak side uh, location kind of action and movement and all that sort of stuff but if we're looking for the Hawks to add a wing who can come on ball and kind of do all the different things that you want them to do on ball thinking of, about what Herder has been doing for them um, and, and um, Hunter in some ways a bogey, then you know, he's a long way off on the offensive side from being able to do something like run a, a weak side pick and roll or something like that.
0: What do you think of him as, as like a passer? Like I know you mentioned like, you know, pick and roll. Like if, if he has the ball in his hand, maybe dribbling, but like just in general, where is he in terms of making reads and things like that? I think the basic, basic
1: you can see of, the, you know, wing reads. Yeah. You can see the basic things. Like when he does drive, when there's a, like a drop-off to a big, he, he makes that, he sees that and makes that one pretty consistently. Um, when he drives into space, not in traffic and there's a cutter, he'll typically see that. So some of the kind of the, Hey, there's a guy that's freeing up for a really easy bucket. He, good news is he's, he tends to see those and execute those. Um, But that's about it. If you think he's going to run like a a quick pick and roll, a quick ad hoc pick and roll and kind of deliver the ball to the weak side corner, a skip pass or something like that, he really hasn't shown any of that stuff. And then when you watch him play anything other than getting to his pull up step back or lifting, uh, shaking kind of into a shot on the weak side, the processing seems slow to me. And I I always want to be careful to say that because I'm not, um, saying he's not a smart person or, you know, anything like that. I, I think a lot of that may just come down to reps, reps right, or right, positions. Yeah, sure, right. If, he that if, if he's all, if his, in his high school days, he was always just looking to get to, you know, the, the pick up into his pull-up jumper, then of course he hasn't run a whole lot of pick and roll. And of course he hasn't done a lot of that. And I think Hawks fans are a little spoiled because like trade, had to have done that like a million times, even like in his high school career, like running every, you know, read type and the pick roll. Cause he, on day one of the league, he could make every pass from anywhere with either hand. Um, you know, think about the hog swings as secondary creators. If they're playing the trade, obviously, um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for what, like Tony Snell did for them two years ago, right. Who was never really going to put the ball on the court stuff, but just knocked down, perimeter shot, the shot, a shot had nice size was always on time had all the little nuance, you know, and so there's some there's some good off-ball stuff there, for sure, but if they want to potentially kind of get him into some more primary or secondary uh, action evolving, in, uh, you know, more than just what he's doing against a single defender, then there's some work to do there. But he's young and I, I don't want to say he can't do it.
0: Yeah, I think a big difference, you, you mentioned Tony Snell, like, a, a big difference there is like, and you've already mentioned it, but you know, the ball handling might not be there in terms of, you know, getting towards the rim, getting into the paint, getting into traffic, but it, it's there on that one dribble, two dribble uh, move to get back into a jump shot. And that's something you didn't get from Tony Snell. And I think that's, you know, getting way far afield here, but like that's something that matters more in the playoffs than it than it does in the regular season when, you know, the best defenses get stingy and the closeouts are better. You know, you don't get those, okay, here, set your feet and go ahead and just take that standstill jump shot. It's just not there. Defenses are too good to give a lot of those up, especially to, you know, shooters who are competent.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, uh, I I try to think of Hawks examples, but I, um, I go back to, like, the last two seasons, Torian was with the Hawks. Like, once he added that dribble relocation, his shot volume went way up. Right, right. He started generating a whole lot more shots, and and it's it's a it, it, that's a big part of being able to be a volume shooter is be able to create that secondary shot opportunity after you know a guy goes past you. He's an A plus. I mean, he is an A plus there, and that and that really does give you more of a volume shooter than like so even sometimes kind of a, a Tony Staley type who's just gonna try to get that shot up before the, you know the defender gets there with the closeout. So I, I think that's a good helpful foundational skill for him.
0: And Nate play him?
1: Uh, I think the defense will be the challenge. Will be the bigger challenge, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess before we talk about the defense, the it is gonna be interesting to see if they rework his shot. But have you had a chance to kind of get a get a good look at his shooting form and all that?
0: It's it's sort of deliberate in the sort of yeah. wide legged sense. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's pretty to look at. It's it's effective. Uh, you know, it, like we've mentioned multiple times now, like he has the dribble stuff to kind of get free side to side in different ways, but, uh, you know, he, he has a very uh, deliberate motion from, from down to up with kind of his legs wide and it kind of takes away from his height and then the release is a little bit low too, but, you know, I, I'm always wary of changing stuff. I get that you want it to be better, but I don't know. What do you think? I, I, th-
1: I think as far as I'll go is, is uh, to say I, I'll be interested to see if they change it and if they do have much. I, I think they'll change it some, um, you know, but but we'll see. I mean, the if, in terms of his hands and his kind of prep is pretty good, you know, um, the rotation he gets, the ball coming out of his hand, the consistent arc and all that is 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 really, really good. I think I think um, a development coach is look at him go. Oh man, I wish that we could get that release point up a little higher. You know, so that's just going to give him more clearance against NBA defenders that are trying to run out at him when he's trying to get that shot up. So uh, now if he's a if he's out of the gate of forty two percent three point shooter, <laughs> they probably don't do anything with any of it, right? You know, but um, if he's uh, you know struggling because his release point isn't high enough or if he's a little bit too deliberate it's kind of funny because you know like i said on this podcast i always try to get the hogs examples but when you watch him prepare and shoot it it reminds you a little bit of solomon hill he has better results you know but solomon's kind of deliberate in that same way and that his setup was kind of careful and deliberate um and not the highest release point either but it's it's just kind of funny I, i don't want to say he's going to be a have a similar outcome as a shooter because you know that that's not what I'm saying at all. But it, just the way he kind of prepares and and his style of release reminds me a, a little bit of solo. So
0: yeah. Um, one of the things I don't even know how to phrase this, but like, should we be wary of of a situation where? You know, he's coming from a team where five guys got drafted. I think it was five, right? Five in the first round, was it? It was five, you know, relatively high, like, in the meaningful right. part of the draft. Like, right. Uh, like is his usage enough that you can feel good about the things that he did? Or was he just – was he benefiting too much from the level of competition or level of teammates that were around him? Like,
1: Well, I mean, so I – If you kind of think about the Duke teams, and you know I don't watch college basketball as extensively as a lot of other people who have an opinion on these things, but Duke went pretty far in the tournament, and then in watching uh, Bankero and watching you know Williams and the other prospects, you you pick up enough. You know there were so many draft prospects that Duke had this year that you had to kind of go through a pretty good decent amount of you know uh, game um, video you know stuff. So. I, I don't I don't think that plays against them. They had a they were more consistent in running actual stuff this year than any season that Duke has had in a while. Right mm-hmm. when it was Zion, he was flying up and down the court in transition. Right, and you know we can kind of go to uh, other teams. You know Cam played with with, with Zion, and um, you know in in uh, the spacing was terrible. But this year I, I thought the spacing was good all year long guards at the ball handlers knew how to use their bigs. The bigs knew how to, you know, help their their ball handlers. And then the bigs knew how to move uh, you know, within the construct of the offense. And I think that actually helped Griffin prepare a little bit more so than like a like the Zion year where all the spacing was terrible the whole time. And there wasn't any flow and the ball stopped too much. And you had you know, that team had guys who were the guy their whole way coming up, you know, and in this case, this Duke team really didn't have that so much. Um, And so it was, I I thought when I watched him play or watched them play, that you were consistently seeing kind of like a a lot of professional offensive stuff. And it was pretty clean and guys were in the right spot and they were moving uh, and activating with the right timing. And so I think he, I think the, what he the exposure he got at Duke last year offensively actually makes him more NBA ready from an off ball kind of role than you'd usually think about a team that puts that many, uh, you know, guys into the upper
0: part of the draft. I think you hinted that the answer to this question is going to be yes before, but is, is there a way that he can be a four in, in small ball lineups? And if so, you know, what works and doesn't work if, if, he goes to that end
1: yeah that's a great question so my view
0: i'll be interested to hear what
1: you think too um but he's a better defender he's a better interior defender right now by a lot than he is on the on the perimeter and so that makes you think like okay maybe you know and the real extreme version of that that we've seen the last five years is like james harden being like absolute garbage on the perimeter (laughs) and being a pretty pretty stout guy on the interior right yeah and and now that's a more extreme version of this but that's gives you I think to me a general idea of kind of where he's gonna show the most value as a defender more and I think that's gonna have him potentially defending at the four more you know and we've had conversations about like what does it look like for maybe DeAndre and Jalen to play together and you know, maybe Jalen is the you know more of the three on offense, and Hunter's more of the four. If that's how they want to play that or whatever, but you know, for example, if I if I think of Griffin playing with Jalen, like I'd love to see Jalen defending at the three, and Griffin defending at the four, because I think Jalen is pretty terrible in the four at the four and the five. You know, he made progress this year, but I don't know that he's ever kind of quite kind of got kind of get there to figure out how to. Be in the middle as the big man in the in the defensive um, action and execute that. Where Williams kind of showed a little bit more of that this year. Jalen's super uh, athletic and can kind of um, fly around and, and do those things. Uh, so I think Jalen like will be more successful on the perimeter defending like a wing with uh, Griffin um, more on the interior. But well, you know, a lot of that may be injury related you know, but, but, but we'll see. What are your thoughts there? I
0: and mean, that, that seems reasonable to me. I'm, when you're saying that you want Jalen at the three is the thinking there that you want him guarding the ball more than being the help defender. Yeah.
1: And being the, or being the big man squ- being put straight to the screen. Right. Right. So Jalen is a help defender. I thought he made really good progress this year where he made almost no progress was being the man in the screen, right. In gotcha. the ball screen. Right. Um, And we'll, we'll have to see how, how Griffin deals with that. So I, 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 for me, I'd like to see, um, you know, like on offense, Jalen functioning, maybe as a playmaking four on defense, maybe he plays the three and, and the forwards kind of switch roles on each of the court, whether we're talking about Hunter or, or Griffin, that might be something that's possible, or maybe like Hunter is defending at the one or two because he's, you know, uh, been good there. And then you're kind of sliding know trade to a two that's, not handling the ball so much. And so I, I think that the versatility um, helps because I think that entering the league, he has a completely different kind of potential defensive value out of the box than what Jalen had last year. And I think that's good that they have different uh, kind of foundational skills about him.
0: We could make this podcast a whole lot sexier by talking about Dejounte Murray. I don't think <laughs> we've talked about him yet.
1: Have we? Have we not? I guess we have. I don't have think we?
0: so. No, have we? I don't. I think that rumor came out like right after the last yeah. time we recorded. Yeah, Mister F- Mister Fisher brought that to the surface.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh,
0: and you know, I've looked at most of the things that the Hawks have been rumored to be in the mix in, and and you know most of the time just kind of shrug the shoulders and say, yeah, that, that that's deck chairs, right. We're just sh- shuffling around the deck chairs and you know, mm-hmm. you you fix one problem and make two more. And it's like, I don't know. And you know, Murray is the first player uh, that's, that's been thrown around. Obviously the price tag is going to be steep, but it's like, if you've watched the Hawks the last couple of years, like to me, he's kind of a problem fixer, like, Oh, uh, you know, and the- at the same time it's like it's not like there are you know if you look across the league like how many guys could do what he can like if if you're looking uh for someone who can a sort of be a, a a big time ball handler on the weak side but also be sort of stout defensively maybe able to guard point guards like it's just there's just not a lot of that and and he, you know, you, you've got some very specific needs when you try to build a team around Trey young and he seems like somebody that, that fixes those needs. Am I crazy?
1: No, I, I agree with you. It's interesting. I wonder if you've had the same experience as I've been talking to people the last few days about this. I either hear, well, he can't shoot. So he's not a fit with Trey, which I don't agree with that view. I think that's, I think that's oversimplified. Um, or I hear someone say, "Oh yeah, the defense like that would really work well," um, and and he's a good ball handler and etc. You know, for for me, I, I think he shot like thirty two percent from the three point line last year, but it, it was a pretty tough. Um, uh, you know, he took tough shots because he was the point guard. He was the creator on that team. Right. You know, playing with guys like Keldon and Lonnie and you know other, other guys like that, right? McDermott, you know, and so the, that whole offense was kind of pretty dependent on his creation. And I do think he's not good enough to ever be a, a, a your primary creator for you know for your starting unit on a really good team. And so I love the idea of sliding him onto a team that already has a really high level primary creator needs a a guard that has more defensive chops and some defensive versatility. Um, But what I love about his offense is that he is happy to attack a scene. He's happy to attack the paint, get to the rim. And, And that's just something we've talked about, the fact that, you know, Herder hasn't made progress in that specific area, right? And Hunter, um, you know, is uh, a little shy about kind of embracing contact or going into traffic and things like that. And Murray just, but Murray is also, just, you know, he's a pretty thin guy and he's quick. That first step is way quicker than Herders or Hunters, uh, and he just can get the ball and get right into that scene if Trey is drawing kind of an overloaded defense uh, to him, you know, the extreme example there is Miami, but we saw that all year long. Right. And we saw even before this year, um, Trey giving up the ball, finding it, if I get to the to the weak side. And if a shot didn't manifest on the perimeter, then the opposing defense kind of could kind of, uh, kind of shut that down because there's no one just saying like, Oh, here's a scene. I'm going to get right to that scene. I, I would, be so excited to see Dejounte murray attacking those seams on the weak side with his quickness and that really bursty first step and his aggressiveness and his willingness to kind of get in there and mix it up uh, at the rim i think that would play so so well with trey so i mean so for me it's like this is the first guy i've heard like okay i would give up some real stuff for him, you know <laughs> right you know and and be and and no doubt it would be a risk for yeah. sure, but that's what trades like this have to look like that to a pretty decent degree. You don't get a guy like that without doing that. And it's the other kind of quick, quick thought, too, is that you know, I think when you and I talked at some point heading towards the offseason, I talked about Shay you Gilgis know, Alexander being kind of the perfect kind of the I mean, the dream, right? And, right. and, and now Shay's developed a really good you know, shot and all that sort of stuff, but. I mean, DeJounte is kind of in that same template in, in, in several kind of key areas, right? Right. The defense, the length, the ball handling, uh, the passing, um, and his quickness and and all that sort of stuff is, this is kind of a, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I wouldn't, I don't hate, you know, we ever use the poor man's Shea Gilles Alexander, but he's, he, he's just kind of, he's not as good as Shea. Um, shouldn't cost quite as much as Shea would cost you. As if Shay was ever even available, he shouldn't be. Shea, I, if I had Shay on my team, I would just say he's not available. Um, <laughs> but this is kind of in that same template, so that, that's kind of that's kind of what I see, I and mean, I'm excited about the possibility if, if it happens. And if someone if someone asked me on Twitter, like Glenn, would you give up JC and two first round draft picks? I'm like, hey, you know what? If they're reasonably protected, I, I, you're not going to get them for less than that. I, I feel strongly about that um do i worry that rc and pop are going to squeeze more out than i'm comfortable with it's like i know you feel the same way because you said so like you don't want to see oh in there right in in that trade and and stuff so if if you can keep all of your if you can keep hunter which the hawks seem to like keep a con Woo, um and and make it mostly draft uh capital with a core player like jc that it seems to be you know on the move to some likelihood, but I, I, that's, a, that's the way I would pull the trigger on if it were me, but, but uh, I, I'm not sure what you think the pack. The, uh, uh, so I can tell you like Murray and from our conversations we've had with, as a group, I've heard that too, but do you see him differently than I do? And also, um, you know, how much would you be willing to kind of give up to get him?
0: Oh. I would be willing to give up a lot like if it's if it's JC and you know one of the one of the two young duke guys on the roster and and a couple of future picks hopefully you know you could count the that that pick that's coming from Charlotte as as one of the picks um you know if if it ended up being sort of four assets there I I think I would do that I think You know, one of the things, if you if you look at sort of the long term future of the Hawks, you you've got to put a strong rebounding team around DeKongwu, and and I like Murray in that aspect Mm, too. Like, you know, if if you can get extra rebounding from your guards, like that's a really good thing, and and you know, Murray can do that. Like, that's that's a nice fit. Uh, You know, you know, one thing to me that would be interesting is like, you know, the knock on Trey for a while, at least one of them has been, you know. What can what can he do off the ball? And I think he can do a lot off the ball. Um, I'm not sure that the Hawks have done everything, you know, possible with the roster around him to maximize or incentivize him to to be that player off the ball because they need him on the ball so much. Uh, you know, with, with with Murray in the fold, I think you get the best version of of Trey's off ball game. And and maybe if you don't, then then that would come back and reflect something about Trey. But I. You know, I I think you get the best version of, of Trey at that point, uh, doing things without the ball.
1: Yeah, I think I, that's a great, two great points. He is a, a really good rebounding guard. Is appreciate you adding that to there. But yeah, I think I think Trey would trust him to initiate, get Trey off ball, save some energy, right, and yep. give him more catch and shoot opportunities, right. Um, so you know, I think that's I think that's uh, great. Additional kind of value to, to kind of point out there, uh, and I'm with you. Like if if, if giving a, a young player with you know I would prefer it be Griffin over Jalen. I, I think I'm higher on Jalen just because Jalen has I think Jalen has a much higher ceiling than Griffin because of the playmaking and he's a better athlete,
0: really. And yes. so yeah,
1: <laughs> um, but if you, if putting Griffin in allows you to make one of the picks, I'm assuming it's two, the Charlotte pick, that's worth doing to me. Right. If RC and pop are like, no, we want two picks, but we'll only give you top five protections out of the gate then I, I probably would not want to put, you know, one of those two guys here, but I I'm totally fine seeing grip and go. Cause I, you know, we've already talked about the fact that playing Jalen and another rookie on the wing, you know, we're going to get a three or whatever. might be might be pretty hard, uh, you know, but in year two, who knows, but yeah, I think we're largely seeing it that way. If you, if you can get decent protections by putting grip in the deal, uh, I'd love to not put Jalen in there, but you know, if that's what it takes to get a guy next to Trey that Trey's going to really trust and it's going to really uh, kind of get your starting unit to 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 a point where they're
0: defending better, then
1: that you know that's what it costs to, to kind of get into that market. I
0: think. Uh, I guess we could go a couple of directions here. We could we could go talk about the shift from forty four to fifty one, uh, but also the pick of Tyrese Martin at fifty one. Uh, that combination of moves, where do you want to start?
1: Well, I, I think first of all, that I don't care about the 2 million, if, that, if that's what it was, if that's what it turned out to be. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't really care one way or the other, but if their idea was that we're looking at putting a guy into a two way contract, a guy at 51 is, is perfectly slotted for that. Where a guy at 44, you know, I know, I know Sarif kind of came in in that range last year and, I, that I was kind of exactly. exceptional. Uh, wasn't, it was, not it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, to, to me it was. The Hawks had a really full roster coming out of that season, right? Uh, they were stacking up and all that sort of stuff. So um they were bringing all the guys back, bogey back, and you know, off gallo. Every everybody was basically coming back, they were running it back. So Sharif kind of had to go there. And I and I assumed that they agreed before they even drafted Reef that hey, if we'll take you, we're you know, are you okay going out of two-way? But, you know, I, I, so I think trading down is gets into a range where they're really comfortable putting a guy into a contract. But I think Tyrese Martin, you know, 6'6", 215, never been much of an offensive player. Um, but at UConn, I think it looked like they taught him maybe how to shoot the ball a little bit better last year. And he had good shooting numbers last year for the first time in his four-year career, first two years being at Rhode Island, the last two being at UConn defensively i think he's a really good tough defender with good size and good activity and good athleticism and that's a great thing to put into the mix i think you know with the hawks on onto a two-way uh in our offense not so valuable in the half court as you know as a ball handler and all that sort of stuff but in transition he's pretty good pretty good grab and go grab a rebound and push to get up the court he's pretty confident in that pretty good passer in that setting too and he's pretty aggressive, uh, kind of attacking the rim in transition too. So I, I think there's some interesting stuff there. I think that was better than I think you normally do at 51, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean if if you feel like I, I don't know that the Hawks are in a situation where they can say, Hey, uh you know, we know that the second round pick is is going to be slotted for a two-way. I I think they have pending trade action ahead of them. Right. And so you know kind of going with the well we could trade back and get somebody to put on that seems like a little bit misguided in the sense that you might need some roster spots you might uh, especially yeah and and you know the 2 million is what it is uh, i think it's pretty much out there that that's just uh gravy for everybody but uh you know those looking to optimize the basketball party but if if you really did feel that like hey we're probably not going to have the roster spot for this guy, you know, get a different asset, like get, you know, get 51 and get a future second. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be cash. Uh, You know, you could do some other things there. Yeah.
1: I, I, I don't know how to have an opinion on the cash except that it's, (laughs)
0: if you want to criticize it
1: great i think that's fair totally totally fair to criticize that you know but i i feel i feel pretty confident that we're gonna see uh Shandy brown and um uh tyree smarten on the two in the two two-way spots this year so we'll see if that works out that way or not but you're right they're gonna have some slots to fill somehow you know to kind of get to whatever whatever they end up getting to whether it's the full 15 or whatever it is you know
0: um but with yeah, I, mean, I, I be, think the thing we challenge? know is that we don't know. Like, they, I, you know, I don't know that they're going to have roster spots, but I don't think they know either. Like, right. but I think it's, it's premature to assume that there are not going to be roster spots because, you know, things happen, trades happen, moves Agreed. are coming, presumably. Agreed. Is there anything else that we're missing here? I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you, Glenn. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, we've got free agency soon. So, you know, we got a busy, what, three weeks ahead before it gets real quiet? For sure. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin.